Hello and welcome. I'm your host, Simone Riscala, and you are listening to the Endowed Podcast, a conversation not just about the feminine genius in general, but about cultivating your particular feminine genius through the Catholic intellectual tradition and intentional community. Well, hello, Endowed Ladies. We have a special treat for you today. I am here with Jen Fulweiler and our Director of Content, Katie Smith, for a very special episode today, Director of Development. Yes. And so, okay, so why are Katie and I both here? Uh, Katie and I are both, as well as, well, our whole team uh, love Jen Fulweiler. And Katie, uh, you know, took up, Katie, you want you tell us a story before I, (laughs) before I, Introduce Jen. <laughs> yeah, no worries. So um, I've been a longtime listener of Jen's podcast and other uh, communication strategies along the way. And um, in one of your podcasts, I think it was the one that you did on um, Dr. Sarno, but you said if for the first thousand people that gave you a review that you would do at every favor they ask. And I was like, I'm going to take her up on this because A, I hadn't heard of Dr. Sarno and I have an autoimmune disorder. And so like that information was super helpful in and of itself. Amazon lost the book, but that's a whole nother story. Um, but, but then on top of that, I was like, well, hey, if we can get her on the Endowed podcast, like other women need to know about her. Hello. So, so yeah, so Katie is texting me like, if if I got, if I, if I won this thing, would you want to interview her for the Endowed podcast? Oh, well, yeah. Yeah, of course. <laughs> so, so Jen, I, I was introduced to you through your book, Something Other Than God, of course, and I've read One Beautiful Dream and, and Blue Flame last year, which was great. But if you don't know Jen, she is now also a stand-up comedian so and runs a podcast. This is Jen. So thank you so much for being on the Endow podcast. We're so I great. love Endow. It's really a pleasure to be here. I really like what you guys are doing. It's amazing. Thank you so much. And there's, of course, like so many things that we want to talk to you about. But because we're in Dow, we want to ask you about the role of reading encyclicals, apostolic letters, faithful documents as part of your story. So, yeah. and, and the first question I want to ask, actually, Jen is our director of content, Laura, is like, make sure you ask her. Where, how did she get her hands on Salve Vita Dolores? How did she, who, you know, how did she find out about it? <laughs> you know, well, what happened was with that. So this was when I was, I was first considering converting to Catholicism. I, I wasn't, I hadn't converted yet. And a big problem that a lot of atheists have, which is understandable, is they say, why would a loving God allow suffering? It just doesn't, I can't make that compute. I can't look at the horrors that happen in the world and say, yep, there's a God who loves us. Absolutely. That was a huge stumbling block for me. Meanwhile, at that time, I had a a serious blood clot called a deep vein thrombosis in my leg, and it was very, very painful. And it was really shutting down my life. I I couldn't get to the restroom without help. Honestly, I should have had a wheelchair. They never got me a wheelchair. But it was at that point because anytime I, I stood up, the blood would flow down to my leg and hit that clot. And the pain was actually blinding. Like I I didn't know that being blinded from pain was a real thing. I'd heard the expression, but it was actually like, I couldn't see the pain was so bad. And so I was just very interested in this concept of suffering. And I had been exploring Catholicism a little bit. I, I didn't think that was the direction I would go. So I just Googled Catholicism, suffering, things like that. <laughs> I found Pope John Paul II's, what, is it an encyclical? Is it, it it's is, right? It's an apostolic letter. Oh, apostolic letter. Okay. And what was very interesting to me coming from atheism, I always expected 
believers to be manipulative. And I had seen a lot of that. I grew up in the Bible Belt. I had seen, frankly, some some really bad examples of Christianity and of right. people, you know, their faith really was more about manipulation and control. Yeah. And so that's what I was expecting to encounter more of that in Catholicism. What I found interesting about this apostolic letter is that at the end of the day, Pope John Paul II kind of says, yeah, we we don't fully, we don't know. Uh, God has not fully <laughs> explained this. He gave right. a, a very rich answer, which brought me to essentially, if you look at the crucifix, that's the answer. The crucifix is the answer to the mystery of suffering that God could have just stayed up on a cloud and looked down at humanity and been like, wow, what a train wreck this is. You guys are a disaster. I don't know what to tell you. But he chose to come and suffer with us and turn the act of suffering into a potentially love generating act. That was very interesting to me. But it was also interesting that the Pope had this attitude of saying, yeah, God hasn't fully explained it. So yeah, so with some of the stuff, your guess is as good as mine. And I thought, well, that's interesting because cults and religions that try to manipulate people, they always act like they have all the answers. Right. And here was this church saying, look, we can only tell you guys what God has revealed to us. And he has revealed some interesting things about the mystery of suffering, but there are also some things that, yeah, he, I don't know. He hasn't told us, take it up with God. And I, I was like, wow, that is very interesting that this church really does stand by its claim that it's just taking dictation from God. It is, it's just here to represent what, what God wants it to communicate to people. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I was so moved um, in, in studying the document. We have an endowed study on it, but I also taught a class on it. And I love that he begins the letter saying, this is our shared reflection. Like this is, this is something I'm going to accompany you with. And this is something that we share together because you don't have all the answers. Right. I, I love that about John Paul II. And the fact that the the idea of suffering and the grappling with suffering is a, is a truly human action and it's something very noble and it's something worth pursuing and that God wants to hear it. He knows what you're going through and he wants you to go deep into it. And this is one of the most human, most noble things that humanity can do is to grapple with that. So, wow, that's fascinating. I'm going to, well, Laura will hear this podcast, but she'll be so happy that it was Google. <laughs> right. It's just Google. Yeah. It's just, just I didn't know any Catholics at the time. It's certainly not that practice their faith. I didn't, I didn't know anyone. I didn't know a single person who had ever heard of, who even knew what a papal letter was. Right. <laughs> what is that? Yeah. No, one, no, and Catholics themselves. I mean, so this is something we talk about in Dow a lot. It's not like the first thing that you think to do is, well, let me check Vatican.va. Right. Right. And, and do a little search. And Katie, Katie, you um, led our, um, well, one of the panelists for our Lent study on Sofavita Dolores, you know, mm-hmm. which is really vulnerable to be in a breakout room full of like strangers and women, oh, right. women, but like, and then, you know, here's all the, the suffering. Yeah, we but, went deep quick. Like that opened up a door I wasn't expecting. But I mean, just within the first few minutes, it was like it got real, real quick. Yeah, it's it's like an endow. It's like I mean, you don't have to do an endow study to study Salvage Dolores, but if you do, you know, like okay, like things are gonna things are gonna come out. Um, were there other? Because I think Jen, one of the one of the beautiful witnesses that you provide is that. Um, you know, we, we are, we're uh, an intelligent church. We have, we have a, we have a, we have a lofty intellectual tradition that 
so many more want to participate in and we want to make it as, as accessible as possible without dumbing down the faith. But were there other things that you read or other documents that you thought, oh yeah, this was like really um, a helpful moment for me? Oh, for sure. Well, one of the huge ones, probably, probably the biggest one was Humana Vitae because uh, I was pro-choice, um, obviously super pro-contraception. I didn't know. I thought it was an urban legend that Catholics weren't into contraception. I was like, that. that's like not being into air or water. I mean, this is a basic <laughs> human need. That's ridiculous. So I, my plan, I thought, well, if I be if I become Catholic, I, I well, I, I knew I wouldn't become Catholic and not believe what Catholics believe. So I thought, I guess I just won't become Catholic because I am immovable on the issues of abortion and contraception. And right. then I read Humana Vitae and man, Pope Paul VI, right, he made some predictions about what would happen in the world, the four predictions about what would happen if there was a widespread acceptance of contraception. And it, it was like writing a script of what did end up happening in the world and that it was bad for women. And that was the first thing that got me thinking, maybe the secular mantra that contraception and abortion are just central to women's freedom. Maybe there's more to this story. And maybe everyone hates the Catholic Church because it is the last organization left in the world that is willing to tell women the truth. And, and you know, for example, the truth is contraception is not as effective as people think it is. Uh, the, by Planned Parenthood's own Guttmacher Institute, this is their research arm, found right. that there was a study, uh, John A. Ross was the author of the study. It showed that it was in a publication called Family Planning Perspectives, and it showed that a woman taking a, a contraceptive like the pill that has about a 98% effectiveness rate over a 10-year period has a 70% chance of experiencing an unexpected pregnancy. And so I started to see that, wow, this is just not the, the cure-all that society makes it seem like it is. And the Catholic Church is the only one speaking truth to women. So that was another, that was a big one. And then also Pope John Paul II's letter to artists is deeply moving. Anyone who knows creative people or who has a creative bent at all, you've got to read that because, you know, there are a lot of Puritan branches of Christianity yep. that are very influential in American culture. And I don't think we realize how much we are influenced by Puritan Protestant culture. Yep. And yep. sometimes that gets mixed in with our understanding of Catholicism. And, and that is that is not what this what right. this church is about. And so I think the letter to artists is very important because it talks about just the critical importance of creativity and beauty. And, you know, Pope John Paul II was in the theater. He loved the arts himself. He participated in the arts. And that is, in a, you know, compared to a lot of American Christianity, that is something so beautiful and unique about our Catholic faith is, you know, we're the ones who painted the Sistine Chapel. I mean, right. we, we yeah. understand we the importance. To brag about. <laughs> yeah, the, the, yeah, the beauty is one of God's attributes. And so it is very God glorifying to use your creative gifts and to, to add something to the world that wasn't there before. So anyone who, who does any kind of creative work, even losing, using that term loosely, you've got to read the, the letter to artists. Yeah. And that, that's one that's like, we're just, we're just dying to get that on our curriculum for endowed because well, there were a bunch of artists back here as well, but also because it's so crucial and in a, in a world where truth is hard to digest, you know, and I know Bishop Barron talks about this a lot, you know, beauty makes a great case for it because you can't avoid that experience of beauty, even if you can't articulate that truth and goodness are coming along with it. Um, so that is, that's just awesome, Jen. So Katie, I wanted to like turn a little bit to you because 
you as a new mom, you know, have been really helped by, um, by Jen's podcast in a, in a variety of ways. I just want to take a few minutes uh, uh, to talk about that. So we have a lot of conversations about that at Endow, lots of new moms, lots of babies, you know, all of that. So yeah. Um, yeah. Well, just first to thank Jen for her candidness on motherhood. Um, I there's She has a tutorial out on how to have hot mom hair. And I actually sent it to my mom <laughs> as I was watching it. And I was like, this, this is what is like so true right now of we don't have the village anymore. And I think there's a narrative out there um, that's so prevalent um, in the Catholic world that as a mom, you have to have it all together and you have to be the one to bake cookies. And I know you said this on your podcast, your latest podcast, Jen, but like to be the one to teach the faith, to teach everything, to, you know, do the laundry, to do all everything under the sun and do it perfectly. And oh, by the way, you know, not bother to take care of yourself, but still look perfect. And it's just, it's so damaging. And so I found it so refreshing and I hope, um, I hope you've had more women who've come to you and have said this, and I hope it's actually sparked a discussion. I haven't looked at any of the blogs or comments, but I'd love to hear more of like the feedback you're getting um, as you've been really candid about, about. Well, you know, you know, what's interesting is I started these sketches. I do to my goal with everything I do is to build up the culture of life. I feel like I had, a near miss in my own life where I was immersed in, and this is Pope John Paul II has a term, culture of life versus culture of death. And the, the secular culture that says, live for yourself, don't be burdened by, by family or by kids. That That's the culture of death, essentially, you know, euthanasia, right. things like that. Yeah. And um, so everything I do is ultimately ordered toward building up the culture of life. And in order to have a culture of life, we have to have a culture of mess. This idea of perfectionist parenting that you, you, you just have to have it completely together as a mother and you have to be holy and patient and, and keep your house clean and teach your kids how to cook and all that. I mean, women, women are going to fold. They're just going to break. Right. If you are actually trying to build up your family and be involved in your community and be open to life in whatever way God is calling you to do, you just can't if you're not, if you don't accept some mess. So I've been doing sketches uh, around this. And in one of them, I actually said, I said the word God, I was talking about um, babies crying on airplanes. And I said, you know, in a lot of cultures, the sound of a crying baby is seen as a sign of abundance and God's blessing. What's crazy that ended up Yahoo covered it. Yahoo sports. It was on the front page of good morning, America front page of Fox news. And what's crazy is I did I didn't think a sketch where I talked about babies being quote unquote God's blessings would go anywhere. I just assumed that one would bomb. And the hair tutorial was also picked up. I did the Today Show covered the last sketch I did, and I just didn't see this coming that you could stand up for the culture of life and like (laughs) media will actually like I I did stuff that was much more edgy, much more secular. Nothing crickets from the media, and then I actually. I'd kind of go back to my Catholic roots and start building up the culture of life. And suddenly, like I just, I just finished an interview with the Today Show that they put on the front page of their website. Crazy. So I think what this shows with the hair tutorial, with the babies on planes one, with, with all of these little um, kind of mini, mini sketches that I put on social media is I think there is a real hunger for that truth that we live in unnatural times. I mean, if, if you look at the whole scope of human history, this is we're, we're living in just a tiny fraction of it. You know, right. people 
people for 99.99% of human history, they didn't have electricity. They didn't have washer dryers. It was, they didn't have economies like we have today. And, and of course, we're, we're blessed to live in the, the modern era. It's wonderful. But we do have to understand that we are not living in the tribes and villages that we were meant to live in. So, Katie, the point that you heard me making on the podcast was it is not a normal thing for the mother alone to have to be the, the only role model of what it means to be a strong woman, what it means to be gentle, what it means to be kind, to teach her kids to cook, to teach her kids to do a little bit of sewing, to teach her kids you know, math. And normally you would live in a village where your sister and your cousin and your grandma and everybody would be, the village children would be around to be other kinds of role models and to help them with the daily work. And we don't have that. And so we're going to have to accept a lot of imperfections in our lives because, as I said on the podcast, we are trying to do the jobs of like 30 people. And right. you you are just setting yourself up for insanity and failure if you expect to be excellent at the 30 people's jobs that you are trying to do. Yeah. And this like spirit of comparison, I think, is especially prevalent in the American Catholic Church, because as we were saying before, you know, from my cultural context, like there's no way you would even ever think that you were going to get anything except messiness, but at least you're going to be with a community of people. I I think you should do a whole podcast where you just, Katie, you interview Simone about, I think your background is so interesting. I would listen to that episode. That sounds amazing to hear about, to contrast the Egyptian culture that you know to American culture. I think that could be very interesting, especially for moms and just women generally to who've only had the American experience to see this is not how every culture does this. Right. Uh, well, maybe, maybe we'll do that. And maybe we'll bring my I mother on. Yes. Like, yes. Oh my oh, God. You must. Yes. I think that's wonderful. Bring Mama Rosella on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great idea. I think that's a great idea. I love that idea. <laughs> well, we will dedicate that episode to you, Jen. Oh, for yeah. sure. You should, yeah, that would be great. Yeah. I'd be honored. No, it's true. My mom's yeah. all like, what does everyone's problem? Like, you know, I remember we were kids and she just, she just say like, yeah, you're in one or two activities. Is that enough? I'm not going to drive you <laughs> drive you all over town. You know, right. <laughs> it's just like crazy. So, um, okay. So I know we got to wrap up our time. This is such a gift. We're so blessed Jen, uh, to have this conversation with you and, and to just thank you face to face for everything. I loved in blue flame again on this theme of like the, the spirit of perfectionism, of kind of killing the culture of life. And I love that you, you connected that. Uh, Jen, that's a, such a great thesis. Um, but like the whole failure part, like you just, you know, if you want to do God's work and God's mission and like live out of your blue flame, like just, just get used to the fact that there are be times that you fail and often, and that you're going to feel like a failure. So who cares? Move on, keep going. I, I really think the secret to life is just accepting that if you're living a good life, you are going to feel like a failure a lot of the time. And, and I think if you learn to embrace that and say, Hey, this is a sign that I'm doing something good. I, I tried to, you know, with having family time, I have six kids ages 16 to eight, and we have a lot of strong personalities in the house. And so it, it, it has not been easy for me to find things that we can do as a family. And I've tried and tried again and tried again. And so often I, I would feel discouraged, like, Man, what is wrong with it? Why are we so crazy that we can't just like spend time as a family? And then finally, in the past couple of months, I found something that we can do that we like, we just watch movies and we kind of pause the movies and analyze them and talk about them. And it's really working. And I'm so grateful for it. But I had to go through months and months of feeling like 
I guess my family is just a disaster because I cannot find anything that we can do together. But but that's that's the sign of a good life. You're trying new things, whether it is using your God-given gift, your charism, your blue flame, whatever you want to call it. You right. you will fail probably actually most of the time. I feel like I'm failing way more than I feel like I'm not failing in my own work. And right. and also same thing at home. I feel like I'm failing more than I feel like I'm not failing. And mm-hmm. When you embrace that and realize that that's actually the sign of a life well lived, you will have so much more peace. Amen to that. We mm-hmm. we need to have we need a, we need Jesus, right? So right, if, right. I mean, he's got to come in somewhere, and if it's right, not right, I did get comfort one day when I was like, "Gosh, one of these days, I really want to be proud of my personality." But um, <laughs> <laughs> but Car- you know, Cardinal John Henry Newman, you know, also was feeling that way. I don't know where I read this, but he was just like, "Gosh, I, it's just times passing quickly, and I'm not really doing God's work, and just feeling that existential crisis." I was like, "Well." If, if Newman can feel that, certainly I'm going, I'm not going to be spared of it. So you're not alone if you feel that way. Anyway, but uh, other things I wanted to say before we say goodbye um, is the saint generator that you do and the word generator, obsessive. obsessive. Oh yeah. It's fun, right? It's so great. Every Halloween, it's just like ritual now with my friends. You know, I used to make them handmade, you know, little saint names. And yeah. Like, yeah. But, but I think that's, that's a great little Catholic cultural thing to do is just to have your saint of the year or start at how all Hallows Eve on Halloween or the word generate the new year. Anyway, love, love that you did that, Jen. Um, yeah, that's my, my programming background coming into play that my first career was in programming. So I put it to the use of the church. Yeah, it's, it's been great. As a former high school teacher, it was just great because I, every year I like hand, hand write out all these same names and now I'm just like, <laughs> right. oh, oh, let's just bring up Jen's website. Right. Yeah, it's a much easier, much faster process. <laughs> much faster. So anything else, Katie, you want to say before we say goodbye? Oh, no, just thank you so much. And for those um, out there who haven't checked out Jen's podcast yet, I don't know why, but you should. It's called This Is Jen, and you can find it on all of the other places that you Yeah, we'll, we'll link everything <laughs> too. So, yeah. but thank you again, Jen. This was yeah. a real delight and a pleasure. Yeah, thank you guys so much. And I really love the work that Endow is doing. It's really important work, and I just fully support everything you guys are doing. Thank you so much. Pray for us, and we'll definitely be praying for you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you. If this episode was helpful for you, please consider sharing it with a friend or two. We would also appreciate it so much if you left a rating and review so that more women can discover Endow and our mission to help women cultivate their unique feminine genius. Please also check out the link below to learn how to become a monthly donor to help defray podcast production costs. And of course, if you'd like to talk to me about joining or starting your own Endow group, please email me at simone.riscala.com at endowgroups.org. And remember, you are the heart of Endow.